Warning, the following podcast contains foul language, sexual themes, and all sorts of other fun stuff. Listener discretion is advised. It's 2021. I'm tired. I have COVID. Our country's falling apart. I'm pretty sure that Texas is about to secede from the Union, and we're going to have to try and find a way to escape this state. I'm Emmy. I'm Sarah. <laughs> I was going to say, we'll just tell them that we're Democrats and they'll make us leave. No, they'll just shoot us on sight. Oh no, you're right. <laughs> we got to pretend to be heterosexual cisgender, cisgender people. people. Us, Kobe Hard. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it's okay, my beard's regrown because I have COVID and I'm too lazy to shave. Oh no. <laughs> uh, next month i'm getting laser (laughs) yeah thank god so yeah um we're barely scraping by right yeah we watched the movie yesterday and immediately after emmy was like i need to go lay down yeah i uh i made it literally to the hour mark and it was one of the times sarah had to go pee and one of the times (laughs) while she was gone i was like i'm really tired and i was like how much longer is left and i looked just like there's another hour of this i don't think i can make it through another hour of this i feel like i'm gonna fall asleep yeah and so we got off and she was like i need 30 minutes but she looked like she needed 30 days (laughs) and i was like it's okay we don't have to record just like go to sleep so uh yeah it was uh I, it, was you, it, it was funny because, like, it's, I did, guess I wasn't paying too close attention to the video call because we were watching the movie. And uh, you I you suddenly looked very ill. Like, you, <laughs> you looked like a Victorian plague child. I was trying <clears throat> very hard to, uh, to keep it together during the movie and i thought that maybe my energy would come back by the end and i'd be good to go and i was just like no no (laughs) this isn't happening and then i texted you earlier today clearly i was like hey how are you doing today clearly trying to be like are you okay like are we gonna be able to be record and you just texted me back oh you know alive (laughs) and i was like this fucking bitch oh my god (laughs) steffi was texting me like it was like sometime in the past week and uh she was like how are you doing today and i'm like i'm alive <laughs> she's like are you okay that doesn't sound like a good thing what's going on and i'm like oh no it's just that i normally don't have anything to say in the morning so if somebody asks how i'm doing i just tell them that i'm alive <laughs> i was just so annoyed because like i was at work and i was like stressed and i was like okay are we gonna be able to record this video this uh episode today am i gonna have to record my backup episode like what are we doing and instead of being like i'm doing okay enough for us to record she was like i'm alive I'm I don't. Alive. I don't know why I expect anything more from you at this point. You shouldn't. Nobody should expect anything. Yeah, I remember. I once was asking you, like, "Hey, are you home?" And your answer was not immediately. This is when we lived together too. So and like I needed something like from the apartment or something <clears throat> like that. And I was like, "What do you mean not immediately?" And you were like, "Oh, you know." I'm just, like, not immediately home. And I was like, what 
asking you a question. Are you at home or not? And like you, and then you also, she, I don't know if, oh my God, I'm outing you right now. You don't text back very fast. A lot. Like you just like, I'll, I'll text you. I, for example, I was like, Hey, are you going to be okay to record today? And I get home at the same day, same time, like every day between 1.15 and 1.30. And so she was like, yeah, I'll be able to record. So I was like, okay, I just got home at like 1.15. And then I immediately like sent her a Zoom link. She didn't get on until like 1.40. Hey, I was finishing my breakfast. At 1.40 p.m. I have COVID. (laughs) Gone are the days I was up at 8 (laughs) a.m. But yeah, you uh, you don't text back very quickly, like ever. I do, but only if I'm paying attention to my phone. Yeah, only if you like have your phone like in your hand. So, oh, sometimes even better. Sometimes we'll be like having a conversation, like a back and forth, and then like I'll text you, and then you won't respond for like three hours, and then you'll respond three hours later with no pickup. Like, you're not like, oh, sorry, I had to go do something. You're just like, yeah, Artemis, right? Like, what happened? Where were you? <laughs> we were in the middle of a conversation. I, uh, I don't, fair, fair warning to people, um, for all the people that are never going to talk to me anyways, and so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, I'm really really bad at any kind of communication <laughs> that is not face to face it gives me anxiety and i don't know how to deal with it it's just it's funny i i'm yelling because i love you don't let don't let anyone be confused i'm crying because i feel the love <laughs> i'm cowering in fear because of how much you love me um and other news Aside from my complete inability to be a social human being, um, I am currently working with an editor on my book. That's exciting. You, I knew that, but... You knew that, but they didn't know that. Well, one of them knew that. But in three to six months, I may have a book for people to buy. So buy my book and read it. What's it called? I don't know. I've I, okay. So here's the thing. I for the for November when we did NaNoWriMo, I literally came up with a book title before I started writing the book. Yeah. And it hasn't changed. And I'm just like, yeah, this is this is a good title. I like this. I have been working on this book now since last year. It's been finished since August. We're yeah. Doing the revisions now, but I still have not decided on a title for it. I don't yeah. know what the fuck to call this book. <laughs> I know what you mean. My books are always, like, whenever I come up with a title for a book, I either name it something extremely obvious or something snarky. Like, my NaNoWriMo book has a somewhat snarky title. Not really snarky, but just, like, <laughs> like jokey, tongue-in-cheek. What's the name of your NaNoWriMo book again? It's called With Love from the Other Side. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had a working title for this book, but I was just like, I don't like it. So... I don't know. It seems too, uh, I was playing around with the words. Yeah. And 
it it, it definitely comes off like uh, pompous playing around with words. So you're so you're so to be clear, you're not gonna go with the title that is on the copy of it that I have. No. Okay, it was a little edge lordy. I'm not, <laughs> not gonna lie. Yeah, no, it was. <laughs> It, it was more that that got left on it just because I didn't have anything else. And I was yeah. just like, cause like but it, when I actually sent it to the editor and stuff, I just removed all titles and just called it book one. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, like, maybe they can help you come up with the name. That's what I'm hoping. I think that's kind of part of their job. Well, if they want to publish it, <laughs> <laughs> they might need to help because they can't just publish a book called book one i mean they I mean, can but they, they do handle the the cover yeah so if they're taking care of getting the cover done i figure they're probably gonna help with the title too <laughs> rowan's doing some art for the cover of my book i'm excited mm. what i wonder if i should uh offer to have her commissioned maybe yeah that might work she would get paid for my book since it'll actually be published, like yeah. by an edit. Like, huh, huh, huh. Anyway, huh. We would you like a movie? We did watch a movie, but first we need to do a little little roundup. Oh yeah, we read a book. We did read a book first before we watched the movie. Um, and we read three. We did. Um, but so in the past, our roundup episodes have been kind of like long. Like, too long. So we decided that for this one, instead of, like, going back and looking at our own summaries of the plot, we're going to read the plot of Eclipse from the Wikipedia page. Which is really unfortunate because you miss all of my great jokes. I do. It's okay, though, because we heard them the first time. <laughs> I thought you were so, going to say it's okay, though, because they're not that funny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that too. But, you know, we got to hear them the first time around. So this time, we're just going to read through. It's a five paragraph summary very very quick um so that we can get the gist give our final thoughts on it and then we can talk about the movie which i'm excited to talk about the movie because we had multiple moments while we were watching it where we were like okay that was actually pretty good just a preview uh marky marks no mark no stop <laughs> Oh my god. Well, we'll get there. Okay, so I'll read the the synopsis for you. Do you want me to stop at the end of every paragraph? And we can give a little thing, or do you want me to just read the whole thing? Uh, I have to stop at the end of every paragraph. Okay. The story begins with Seattle, Washington being plagued by a string of unsolved murders, which Edward Cullen's... Edward Cullen's? <laughs> Edward Cullen suspects is caused by a newborn vampire with an uncontrollable thirst for human blood. As Edward and Bella apply to colleges, Bella tells Edward she wants to visit her friend Jacob Black, a Quileet Native American who, like some other tribe members, can shapeshift into a wolf. Edward worries for Bella's safety, but she assures him that neither Jacob nor the wolf pack would harm her. During one visit, Jacob tells Bella that he is in love with her. He wants her to choose him over Edward. Bella tells Jacob she considers him only as a friend. Right, so this is where Jacob told her during this visit that he wished she was dead. Oh, yeah. No, he, because he says the I'm in love with you thing later. Because that's when he yeah. kisses her. Wait, the kit, no, the kiss visit's a different visit. Oh. The kiss visit and the I love you visit are the same visit. The Wikipedia summary is kind of jumbling up pieces yeah, of so it. Yeah, so I was like, I'm pretty sure that he didn't tell her 
he loved her until the next visit. He didn't. But yeah, he told her uh, that he wished she was dead rather than becoming a vamp. So you know, that's cool. Jacob's a giant fucking douche in this book. Yeah, he's really bad in this book. Um, he he ha- didn't even get better in the movie. Like, he the didn't. Movie, he was still a douche. The, so the, the problem is with the book is that it flip-flops back and forth way too hardcore from like Jacob acting like a complete and total asshole to him suddenly being really sweet and nice. Like, it doesn't have any consistent characterization. But I could almost, like, <clears throat> consider that accurate, though, for, like, like abusive people are like that a lot. Where they, they are. flop back and forth like that. Oh, and know. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and for him, like, a teenage boy, not really sure what the fuck he's doing with his emotions... I can't say it's entirely unreasonable for him to, like, act like an asshole, feel bad, be nice again, yeah, get upset, act like an asshole again. And I feel like a lot of the assholery really came out when Edward was being brought up. So it's kind of like he, his, like, assholiness is being brought out only when he is reminded of the fact that Edward exists. Not that it's Edward's Ugh. fault for existing, it's just... How dare he? I know. All right. Um, Meanwhile, Alice Cullen has a vision that the vampire Victoria has returned to Forks. Victoria seeks to kill Bella to avenge her mate, James's death. Alice takes Bella to the Cullen house for a sleepover. Bella learns about Rosalie's past that led to her eventual transformation to a vampire and why she treasures humanity. Bella is determined to become a vampire, but eventually agrees to reconsider her decision. A few days later, Edward proposes to Bella. Despite harboring an aversion to marriage, Bella accepts on the condition that Edward will make love to her (laughs) while she is still human. I fucking hate that phrase. Let me rephrase that. Bella accepts on the condition that Edward will fuck her silly while she is still human. Edward will slay that pussy while she is still human. Uh, Rosalie's backstory. Man, one of the highlights of this fucking book. Highlights of the series, honestly. I, this this book is... It, it hits the peak of backstories and the lowest low of backstories. Yes. <laughs> in the span of a few chapters. We get Rosalie's amazing backstory. Like, it's very tragic, obviously. Very traumatic. But her fucking donning a wedding dress and destroying the men who killed her without spilling a drop of their blood because she didn't want to ever have any part of them inside of her. Oh my God. Badass. Fucking icon. Oh God. She's amazing. That scene in the movie. Oh my God. And then Jasper. And then Jasper. I, I, Served the Confederate Army in Texas. (laughs) And he was fucking proud of it, too. Yeah, youngest officer. In the Texas militia or whatever. Major Jasper. Oh my god, his fucking accent in the movie came from nowhere. I went online to see. I wanted to verify that he did not have a southern accent in the first two movies. Because I felt insane. 
He didn't. They just gave him one in the third movie because they knew that his Confederate past was going to come out. What was his last name? Whitlock. Like, Lady like. Jasper Whitlock. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The Cullens soon realize that the Seattle murders are being committed by an army of newborn vampires controlled by Victoria. They don't realize that. Bella realizes that. The Collins join forces. <laughs> they, let's yeah. not give them any more credit than they deserve. Yeah. The Collins join forces with the Wolf Pack to combat this threat after their longtime allies, the Denali Coven, refuse to help them. As everyone prepares for battle, Edward, Bella, and Jacob camp in the mountains to stay hidden during the battle. Seth Clearwater, a young Wolf Pack member, later joins them to wait out the fight. This synopsis is really weird. Yeah. The details that it includes and leaves out. You know, I think it's really just getting to the meat of the issue. Uh, it completely skipped over when um, Jacob assaulted Bella. Completely skipped over Bella going to her mom. Oh, yeah. That was uh, completely inconsequential, not gonna lie. Um, when it happened in the movie, I was like, oh, yeah, that happened. I forgot about that. To be fair, I felt like that for, like, the first half of the movie. Everything that happened, you were just like, oh, God. All right. That happened, aside from, like, a few major points with Jacob. It was basically just like, wait. I think it's because the second half of the book gets so much better. And, like, the major interactions that you have between, like, Bella and Edward become, like, so much more, like, compelling and good. That you kind of, like, I remember when we were, when we started watching the movie and it got to the point where he, like, stole the piece out of her truck. I was like, oh, man, I forgot. Forgot about how that much of a piece of shit he was. Yeah, because he was a huge piece of shit in the beginning. He apologized. Though, I will, we'll get to this when we talk about the movie, but the movie being so much shorter than the book, which obviously it has to be, meant that you missed out on a lot of the sweeter, like, Edward moments that we got. Which is hilarious saying, coming like, like m- moving back to our review of book one. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, we missed a lot of the sweet Edward moments in Eclipse. What? <laughs> it's so funny because Robert Pattinson always has such a deeply uncomfortable look on his face. So does Kristen Stewart. I know, she they does. They both just look deeply uncomfortable I know. with everything they're doing in that movie. <laughs> Bella, like, Kristen Stewart was almost way too passive in this movie. And I'm sure she was directed that way. But I feel like Bella got really, like, snappy and, like, fight backy in Eclipse. But she wasn't in... Fight backy. Fight backy. What do you want? What's wrong? Did they do the real good kiss? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Jacob overhears Edward and Bella discussing their engagement. Upset, he threatens to join the fight and get himself killed. Bella stops Jacob by kissing him and realizes that she also loves him. During the battle, Victoria tracks Edward. That was... What? (laughs) (laughs) This is also just a review of Wikipedia's synopsis. (laughs) During the battle, Victoria tracks Edward to Edward's sent to Bella's hiding place, which I will never get over how fucking stupid that was. Of course she was going <laughs> to find his scent. Anyway, uh, Edward fights and kills Victoria. The Cullens and their allies defeat their vampire army. Afterwards, Bella tells Jacob that she loves him, but her love for Edward is greater. The book ends with Bella proceeding to tell Charlie that she intends to marry Edward. I'm sorry. She kissed him and told him that she loved him. That's what they're going with for that <laughs> entire scene. 
Jacob manipulated Bella into kissing him because he wanted her to kiss him before he went away to fight. So he said that he was going to go kill himself, insinuating that she should just say that she wants him to kiss her or he's going to kill himself. She also did not enjoy it. At first. Yeah, at first. And like, he was very forceful with it. Yeah. And then she was like, oh, I like this. But she definitely did not kiss him and then just tell him she loved him. What? Yeah. The epilogue reveals that a heartbroken Jacob has run away in his wolf form. Leah is sympathetic, having gone through a similar heartbreak with Sam. She reveals her own disgust and hatred for Bella. Oh, shit. I forgot about that part. (laughs) The epilogue in uh, Eclipse was actually pretty short, so. Yeah. Which, thank God, because the, our final section was like this, it was like the final six chapters, which were pretty short in and of themselves. But I didn't want to have to do like all six chapters plus a really long epilogue. It was kind of funny, though, because the epilogue was literally just Leah and Jacob both being like, you're a piece of shit at each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you're both pieces of shit. Just accept the fact that you're both pieces of shit. So that's, that's Eclipse. Except for Leah in the movie. Oh, Leah in the oh movie. yeah. Leah in the movie is... Oh my god. Amazing. Fantastic. Amazing. She's the only female werewolf in existence. She's the only female werewolf in existence. And she's hot. <laughs> Alright, so let's actually talk about the movie now. We had a lot of things to say about the movie when we were watching it. Oh, Yeah. Okay, first of all, cinematography was much, much better. Yes. Significantly better. Um, There were no scenes that were shot in this one that made me think, what the fuck are they doing? Yeah. Um, Special effects were non-existent. Like, you couldn't tell they were special effects anymore. Yeah. At least not like... like, it wasn't cheesy bad special effects. Yeah. When the vampires were running, it looked like they were just people running fast. Yes. Um, we I remember we talked about how the action sequences in this movie oh were really good. The the choreography, the stunts, and especially because the fights involved the wolves, the special effects um, for the wolves were all really good. There weren't any uh, cringy moments. It was all pretty seamless. Yeah. Um, I remember one, like when it first, the first scene that we were like, oh my God, that was actually really good was when the Cullens and the wolves were chasing Victoria through the woods along the creek. Oh yeah. And she was just jumping back and forth because she was trying to draw them together so they would fight. And it was, that was so good. And, and then when Emmett, like, leaped over to try to get at her, and uh, he got knocked down into the creek, so you got to actually see, like, them encountering each other. Good. Immaculate. Loved it. There's all... Well, okay. Before I get to the other fight scenes, there's also the fact that at no point when watching this movie did I want to laugh. Yeah. At how weird the vampires were acting before yes. fighting or mm-hmm. during fighting 
they dropped all the weird crouchy hissing. Yes. There was still growling involved, but it felt, it definitely felt more human. Yes. It felt human in a way that a human being who had lived away from all civilization and basically on their own for hundreds of years would behave. You know, like she got pissed off because Edward was talking about the fact that he destroyed her mate. And so she was just like, she howled in anger and that felt real. Like it didn't feel as like creepy and odd as it was in the previous two movies. But there was also these amazing fight scenes. The first like cool fight, like actual fight thing was when they showed um, the newborns and literally just the like transition, like the camera's panning while the newborns are fighting each other. Yeah. And you just see one of them punch the head off of another yeah. newborn. And I was just like, what the fuck? So they, <laughs> that... they definitely treat the vampires as stone, like living stone in the movies. So you often see cracks in their like their skin and stuff. There's a point where Emmett headbutts someone's head and it explodes into shards and he's got like cracks on his forehead. That was fucking sick. That w- Oh my God. The um, Emmett would like run through battle at the end and clothesline. Yes. Other, like the newborns and just like pop their heads off, clotheslining them. It was Jasper so good. Was, and, he, and he was like grabbing newborns and tossing them into the air while he was running for the werewolves to like jump up over him (laughs) grab them and just shatter them on their oh my god it It was was so good good. they were all just like flipping over each other and it was like it was so dynamic it all felt like it worked together like it didn't feel like people just running at each other and colliding and just it which feels so stiff and stupid this felt like real people having a real fight it was so good and everyone had their own very uh unique specific fight style yes and you could tell there was personality to each one and it wasn't like in the book where when Smyre described it in the book it was really bad it sounded yeah cringy as fuck but when they put it on screen they knew what they were doing yes i'll be fair and say that the way that stephanie meyer described it wasn't inaccurate it's just the way that she described it was odd it's just weird the way that it's, you can accurately describe something in a bad way. Yes, you can. Um, I would really, really encourage anyone listening right now to like go on YouTube or something and like look up the fight scene from the movie because holy shit, it was just so good. Um, not to mention the fight scene between Victoria and Edward and Riley and Seth. Oh my god. It was really good. Um the way Victoria. that Victoria was so fucking good. Bryce Dallas Howard, man, that woman does not miss. She is amazing. The way that she played off the innocent act was so convincing and terrifying at the same time. She had Riley wrapped right around her little finger. And me. She also had me wrapped around her little finger. 
Yes, redheaded goddess, I will, <laughs> yeah, I will die right? for you. Well, it was believable because the way that, again, the way that Smyre described it was that she was using like a small childlike voice, which is, again, sort of technically correct. But the way that it was played in the movie was that she was just being sweet and innocent. And she even like had this whole story for them where she was like painting the Cullens as these like territorial tyrants who were preventing vampires from living the way that they were meant to live. And so that's why they had to go kill them rather than it just being a bunch of randos who had no idea what they were doing. That was good. I liked that a lot. And seeing... Riley getting destroyed by Seth yes for Victoria to save him and she just she just glances at him and is just like nope and yeah. Riley's just like what the fuck yes um in that scene Bella also actually cut herself to distract yes. the vampires because at one point when Seth was down Riley and Victoria both got on Edward and so she she cut her arm and it was like very convincing I liked it a lot although Edward was much less sweet and comforting at the end of it than he was in the book because he just kind of grabbed her wrapped up her arm and said we need to go I I definitely appreciate I don't know because I had a lot of issues with the way the scene was handled in the book and I feel like I actually just liked the movie version more overall yeah overall for sure he was sweeter in the book but at the same time she's seen enough of this vampire stuff now that i'm okay with him dropping the uh yeah are you scared of me thing yeah i would have liked him to have just been more comforting yeah rather than just being like we have to go yeah (laughs) Um, um we you get to see jacob actually get hurt in the movie yes because it happens while they're there and Leah, and literally the rest of the movie, Leah's just like, why did you have to step in, Jacob? I could have handled it. And everyone's just like, Leah, shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what, Leah? I believe you. I believe you too, I believe Leah. you. You could have handled it. Um, but for the werewolves, they did this. Okay. So when we read the book and they told the Cleute legend. Cleute. Quillute. They said it in the movie. They did? Yeah. Okay. Then I'll say it quillute. I don't know how, I don't know exactly how it is. Quillute. It was a ute. It was a ute sound at the end. Okay. I believe um, you. God, I have a lot of trouble with that one. I want to say Anyways, it right. I want everybody I know. to know we're not trying to say it wrong. I would like Google this if we weren't in the middle of a recording and I only think of it when we're, in yeah, the right. we're doing the recording. <laughs> um... But when they told the legend in the book, I was like, this would be really interesting if it was more relevant. Yes. But when they did it in the movie, they cut out. Like, I was, I would have been okay with them shortening it because there was a lot there. In the yeah, book. for sure. But they cut out most of it in the movie. So the only thing we get is the arrival of the Cold Ones and the werewolves fighting them and then the third wife's sacrifice. To Ha'aka. Um, mm-hmm. But we don't get any of the explanation for how the werewolves came about. Uh, yeah. We don't get the spirit warrior thing. And we don't know why she's the third wife or how that's relevant. 
Oh yeah, and that was the actually... biggest problem for me. Was he was like his third wife? What do you mean his third wife? Is he a polygamist? What are you talking about? <laughs> this this more and more as the movies go on, I'm convinced that the movies they were literally like everybody's read the book already, so they already know. But there are plenty of people who never read the books. I have a friend who loves Twilight, but she has never read the books. She's only ever seen the movies. I mean, if I watched the movies now and hadn't read the books, I wouldn't have known. Yeah. And I read the books before, but it's been so long. Yeah. But. And they also left out the part where when she just when the third wife distracted. The cold one, it also gave time for uh, her young children to shift. And that was relevant because it was like basically it was only the children that would shift of this chief, which they didn't actually say that in the movie and that the reason that the clear waters and like younger children are starting to shift is because of the threat yeah that's there because before it was only like older teens now it's young teens preteens as well yeah and they in the book really get do a good job of explaining that it's because the more vampires that are around the more werewolves there will be yeah we just kind of lost they needed to cut it short they didn't need to cut it that short yeah it and then he also gave this like big dramatic speech at the end of it saying like there is a threat that is coming to us and blah 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 and it's just like but you don't know that. No. Because, like, he looks, at, <laughs> he looks at Bella, too, like, the Cullens. But we all know that the Cullens aren't a danger. So it's like, yeah. what are you what are you getting at? They cut out most of Edward's controlling bullshit in the movie as well. Like, there's no kidnapping scene. The first time Jacob shows up at the school, uh, Bella's like, I'm going with him. And Edward's like, no, don't. I can't protect you. And then she's like, I'm going. And so he's like, oh, fine. Like, and so she goes. And he doesn't, you know, have anyone kidnap her. He doesn't try to control her. She just goes. And then she comes back and he's like, do you understand how worried I've been? And she's like, I was just with Jake, blah, blah, blah. And that's when everything actually kicks off. But you didn't have Alice taking away her agency. You didn't have Edward being a controlling dick. I mean, he still kind of is, but, you know. Only in the beginning. He doesn't physically do anything to stop her from seeing Jacob. I mean, in the very beginning, he does. But then that stops. It was the only one time. Thank God. God, they were merciful with that scene with Jacob too because if they they could have done it the way it was described in the book and if they had it would have been a lot harder to watch yeah uh, but fortunately the assault only lasted like two seconds and yeah they actually like they had Bella pushed herself away unlike in the book when she tried and he just held her yeah and then punched him in the fucking face. I love the way that I they did that it. Scene. It was so good that because hurt. she punches him and his face doesn't fucking move. No. And she's just like, ah, shit. It was so Kristen Stewart of her too. She's like, oh, oh. So amazing. And I get back 
Oh god, I loved Ed's reaction too. They pull up, they get out of Jacob's car, and the second they get out, Ed's there with like his hand around Jacob's throat. Yes. Like, if you ever kiss her without permission again, motherfucker. Yeah, and he says, and he says the line of like, uh, Jake's like, I she doesn't know what she wants, and Edward's like, I'll, how about I'll give you a hint. You wait for her to say the words. And I was just like, oh, I didn't like that Bella in the movie was trying to tell Edward to stop because real Bella would be like, get him, Edward. Fucking nail his ass. Bella in the book was like, get him. Yeah. And Edward was like, no. Yeah. For you, I won't. And then Charlie did not congratulate Jake on kissing Bella in the movie. (laughs) Oh my God. But the explanation in the okay hold on pause pause this review real quick okay because i thought it looked weird this entire time and now i've just realized it why is your sprite bottle wrapped in the receipt like you're on an actual recording trying not to do brand recognition by accident for our youtube channel so my work (laughs) sells sprite and when we buy things from there, we have to hold on to the receipt so that they can make sure that we're not just taking Sprite out of the cooler. So the most common way of us doing this is we tape the receipt to the bottle to be like, it's it's been purchased. Usually it'll have my name on it too, but I forgot today. Okay. This is reasonable. <laughs> okay. I accept this. Thank you. I'm glad because it's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but anyway. Back to so, Eclipse. Um, Charlie's like, what the fuck happened? And Jacob's like, I kissed Bella. She didn't like it. She punched me in the face. Now her hand's broken. Yeah, he was like, <laughs> no, I remember exactly how it went. He goes, I kissed Bella. She didn't like it. It was a big misunderstanding. And then she broke her hand. And he's and then there's like a pause for Charlie to be like, you broke your hand? He doesn't say that, but he's like, oh. And then Jacob's like, punching my face. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. But and Charlie, so- just the look on his face, he's just like, huh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> he's like, what is going on? But he does not congratulate Jacob. He didn't admonish him. But again, the scene was cut off immediately after that. So Yeah, no, literally he said, broke her hand on my face, cut into the Cullen's kitchen where Carlisle's wrapping her arm. Yeah. And he's like, it's just a sprain. Yeah. So yeah, there literally was not time. (laughs) Oh my God. And then they're in the kitchen and Emmett is like, (laughs) try to walk and chew gum at the same time again, Bella. (laughs) Every time Emmett comes on screen in this movie is a treasure. Oh my god, it was so fucking funny. And Bella was like, no, I punched a werewolf in the face. And he was like, fucking badass, badass. And she was, he was like, you're going to be one hell of a uh, feisty newborn. She was like strong enough to take you on. And they were like, you know, it was so fucking good. I love Bella and Emmett's relationship, especially in the movies. You could tell that they were probably, like, they got along really well, like, off screen. 
Because it was so good. There's actual chemistry there. Yes. Oddly enough, I've also had the thought that Bella, or that Kristen Stewart and Nikki Reed, who plays Rosalie, also probably got along really well off screen because when they're being antagonistic toward each other, it doesn't quite read right. It's, uh, (laughs) it's definitely, uh, two, (laughs) two arch enemies in a sword fight. One is losing, has a sword pointed against the other, <laughs> and then they start making out vibes. <laughs> it does kind of have, no, and I'm not trying to say that people who really get along can't play enemies on screen, but that's just the vibe that I've always gotten from it. Especially when Rosalie was like telling her story and she was like, God, that scene was so good. The dramatic music as she bursted into the room where Royce was in her fucking beautiful wedding attire. The only part about it that I didn't like was that yeah. I didn't get to see her, like, beat the shit out of him. Yeah. They didn't include in the movie that she was very careful not to spill any of their blood. Yeah. Which is amazing, because, like, even if she, like, beat them to death, you'd think that they would still, like, maybe bleed from, like, their nose. Or if she had, like, punched them in the gut, then it would come out their mouth. You have to be very accurate and careful to manage that mm-hmm. i imagine she's she says that she wanted to take her time because i was thinking that she probably just snapped their necks but she wanted to take her time about it so i don't know waterboarding <laughs> i'd let nikki reed waterboard me god <laughs> no <laughs> Oh my god. Um the we're scene that. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why do you want to cut it? Okay, okay, okay. So <laughs> seeing Rosalie and Esme fight in this oh movie is amazing. It was incredible. Esme fighting, like, I was like, damn, girl, get it. Especially because her and Carlisle were, like, in unison fighting. So she was, like, gra- she, like, grabbed a newborn out of the air at one point, slammed him to the ground, and Carlisle just, like, popped his head off. It was so good. Was like, the amount of head Esme. shattering in this movie was amazing. Sarah was like, are you okay? Because, like, they were snapping necks. And I was just like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, I have a visceral response to necks getting snapped. Yeah. Like, for some reason. Like, it, it makes me shudder. And I always grunt at it. And I don't know. Like, I can't stop yeah. myself from grunting. It's just an audible response that I make. Because there's like, you all right? What's so funny is, like, <laughs> neck snapping is, like, the only limb breaking that I'm okay with that like doesn't like give me a visceral reaction. You've seen it before where I get like deeply uncomfortable um with things because when they were oh when uh Carlisle was talking about how the hit uh Jacob's bones were going to heal wrong uh and I like literally was like oh no and I like took my headphones off cuz I was afraid they were going to start like snapping bones and stuff. Um elbows and knees can't do 
Oh my god, I watched The Old Guard recently. Oh my the, god. The scene in the plane about oh, oh yeah, I made a watch. I literally <laughs> didn't watch. I was like, I just like, I, I love that movie. It's amazing. But I knew they were in such a small space. And Charlize Theron's character was being so fucking brutal with the newbie that I was just like, I can't. I can't watch it. I was like watching through like a squinted eye. Like just. Look, I'm not going to spoil it for you people. Uh, I, I put off watching it for a really long time and I shouldn't have. If You're you right. have any interest at all in watching The Old Guard, go watch. Even if you don't have an interest, even if you don't know what the fuck it is, go watch The Old Guard. It is amazing, especially if you want to see some gay stuff. And if you want to see some amazing fight choreography. Oh my god. Charlize Theron is a goddess when it comes to fighting. I mean, Atomic Blonde, she was amazing in. Mad Max, she was amazing in. Now this movie, she's fantastic in. And she does all her own stunts, all her own fight choreography. So good. Amazing. And the best part is when with her, with the, the fighting and the old guard. And what she does is a lot of the times when you end up with people that are like super athletic assassin types in uh that are women in movies they're very graceful and like Mm -hmm. nimble and stealthy like they don't get like right up in someone's face but she like she gets shot up she's like fucking bleeding everywhere snapping people's necks throwing them against like she is fucking brutal and honestly it's better that way oh yeah it's like it's the same thing as how, how she was in atomic blonde like she didn't she leveraged the fact that she was smaller than her opponents to in like to hit them way harder than they were hitting her and just like oh my god amazing there's this i I have to send you this at this episode of um the that uh video that uh youtube channel that i watch the vfx artists and like the stunt artists the stunt artists the stuntmen react and stuff because they did an episode on atomic blonde and there is the hardest stunt in that entire movie that i perceived to be the hardest was the one where the she's in the stairwell and she's just like fought those guys and he like gets up because he's like gonna fight her again but then he like collapses and he's standing on the stairs and he just falls straight over backwards onto the stairs (laughs) and they were like all of the stuntmen in the room were like oh my god (laughs) how did they do that but yes, so watch The Old Guard. Watch Atomic Blonde. What? I need to watch Atomic Blonde still. You still really haven't. need to. Oh, I, so you haven't seen it. So you haven't seen that scene. No. Well, you'll I, know so when it happens. I was working at AMC when it came out here in Texas. It was mm-hmm. before we moved back to Ohio. And I kept seeing the ads for it. And like we had posters for it. like, And we had actually had a cutout for it. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I want to see this movie so bad. But at that point, I worked so much that I couldn't go see Yeah. I remember you were so excited when you started working there because you were like, we'll get free movie tickets. We can go see movies. And then we fucking never did. We saw like one movie. S- I took you all to see Rogue One. Uh, yes. I yeah. I, it was Rogue One. Which was a yes. good movie. Yeah. It was so, a good movie. I mean, yeah. I mean, definitely. And I think uh, I took us all to see one other thing. Oh, Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. Was the other one that we went to go see. And you worked there for... Like a, a year. A year? While we, while we were all together. Yes. And, yeah. And we went to see two movies. <laughs> I loved Beauty and the Beast. 
personally. I know everyone didn't love it. I enjoyed it. I have I have my own issues with it. Not because it's technically bad or anything. I can send you the video on it that like pretty succinctly describes the problems with it. But you know, I appreciate people who appreciate things. If it's the thing that you like, I'm glad you like it. I guess it's, I don't, I don't, I didn't expect much out of it. So yeah. So it's easier to enjoy when you don't go in expecting much. Yeah, I understand that. I expected a lot because it was a remake of Disney's most critically acclaimed film ever made. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's one of those well, things sorry, where, Sarah. well, so it's, and like a little aside, I don't think that Disney needs to remake movies that don't need anything added to them. Does that make sense? Like, so they remade Cinderella and I thought that was great because Cinderella, like the original Cinderella, while beautiful, lacks a lot of substance as far as character development goes. Like there's really nothing there. But that's why you should read Ash by Melinda Lowe. Yeah. (laughs) Cinderella story with lesbians. Okay. But anyway, so they remade that movie and it gave more context. It gave character development. It gave backstory. And you had all of this like beautiful extra stuff inside the movie that, you're really adding to it. It's not just rehashing the same story over again. So like you could do the same thing with um, Snow White because Snow White is just like so nothing. It's just this girl who falls asleep and then she wakes up and then she's in love for some reason. Well, they have. We have no Snow Yes, White we do have no Snow We do. Mm-hmm. One of them <laughs> starred Kristen Stewart. <laughs> um. But, and so, like, I, I'm saying if if Disney was going to go back and remake it, you know, well, which, of course, they would have had to license the Snow White and the Huntsman or whatever. But, like, if they decided to do their more, like, direct remake of the movie, I would understand that because you're adding a lot to it. Beauty um, and the Beast was already a very, like, yeah. complete story, though. Well, yeah, and because you had the full you know, arc of characters and like all of the backstory and everything that you, you didn't need more substance. It's, it's exactly the same situation as the Lion King, the Lion King, the original, I will go to my grave saying it is a perfect movie. It is absolutely fantastic. It doesn't need to be changed. I went to see it in theaters and I was really disappointed, not because of the movie itself, because I was just like, yeah, this is about what I expected for a live-action Lion King remake. Yeah. But because I had to go to the bathroom. And the one thing I was so excited to see was Scar's uh, scene with the hyenas. Oh, when he sings, be, prepared. be Prepared. Because it's one of my favorite songs in the movie. Because Partially because I am a lower voice range. Mm-hmm. And I can sing that song really well. Yeah. And I missed that song. Oh, that's the worst. The I actually I never just, saw it. I was so upset. (laughs) I didn't feel the need to. I saw the animation style and I definitely really appreciate that this time around they hired like an entirely black cast to play the roles of these characters who are, you know, African. And I, and I think that what they made was beautiful. I don't think it was low quality at all. I just didn't see the need to have it remade. It's like if you remake Jurassic Park or Die Hard or... Uh, the Godfather, you know, you don't need to remake a movie that's already fantastic as it is. I feel like some of it is just them trying to, like, they're just like, why not? Exactly. Well, The Lion King is one of their most successful movies ever. It's just like The Beauty and the Beast. It's The Beauty and the Beast and The Lion King or like <clears throat> some of Disney's like most iconic works that like did way better than anyone ever expected them to. 
And so they went in and they were like, well, why don't we do it again? People love nostalgia. Let's just make it again. And I'm sure it's really good, great for the people making it too. Like the people that are in it who get to be a part of it. Yeah. Probably for them, it's just like, a, it doesn't have to be this big new thing. Mm-hmm. You just get to enjoy being a part of this. I, yeah. I disliked personally in the Beauty and the Beast when they cast Emma Watson. But I typically dislike anytime a mainstream normal celebrity gets cast in a like a voice role. I think voice actors should be cast in voice roles because they have way more range and actually voice act. They don't just act with their voice, if that makes any sense. Um, But, or if you're making a musical, hire a Broadway actor. It's not hard. Like you can, plenty of, I mean, look at the fucking, the great example of this is the whole cast of The Magicians, that sci-fi show that I was really into. They were, they like all had backgrounds in Broadway and so at one point they were like let's do musical episodes yeah once a season let's just do a musical episode and it works because they all have backgrounds in Broadway so it's like (laughs) I can understand if it's like more difficult to find yes because you have to find somebody that's trained in both film acting and musical theater because for anyone who doesn't know stage and film acting are extremely different oh yeah completely so you need somebody that does both and that can be harder to find for sure you're definitely better off finding somebody who can do both yes that said i felt really bad for emma Watson. i did too because i i know people like she's out of her range in terms of like her vocal range stuff like that but she went through a lot of training to do that role. Yeah. And you can tell she tried really hard. And she wasn't bad. It was just that it was it was out of her range and you could tell. But yeah. it still didn't sound bad. It didn't sound bad. I, I I agree. And I felt bad that she got so much flack for it when you could tell she tried so hard. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, I, I agree with that. It's much like in the like two thousand and four Phantom of the Opera movie. When they hired Emmy Rossum to play uh, Christine. And she sounds fine. She sounds like every soprano that we went to high school with. But, you know, it doesn't sound phenomenal. But also, she was 17 and the two... <laughs> Patrick Wilson and Gerard Butler played the Phantom and Raul, I think is the other guy's name. <laughs> The other guy. The other guy. Uh, <laughs> that probably isn't his fucking name. I don't remember. Uh, but those are the two love interests. Ra's al Ghul. Ra's al Ghul. <laughs> <laughs> um, but those are the two main love interests. It was Patrick Wilson and Gerard Butler acting against Emmy Rossum. Emmy Rossum was 17. Gerard Butler and Patrick Wilson were both 34. You tweeted about that recently. Yeah. Um, in case you didn't know, that's literally double her age. While she is 17. I can do math. And the thing is, I don't really care if you're 24 and want to date a 48-year-old. You're 24. You're making your own choices. And you're an adult. 17 and 34. (laughs) Maybe I'm in the minority here. Doesn't bode well for me. Wait, did did they date or were they just... Wait, were they really intimate in the movie? I mean, Did they do more than kiss? 
I don't think they did more than kiss. I don't know. I haven't seen it in a long time. I feel like if it's part of the story, like, I don't know. Is yes, she it's part to of the be young in the story. There, I don't. I I've never. I you know I've never been a phantom of the opera person. But I, at a base level, you're hiring a minor to play the love interest to two men in their thirties. I like. I don't it, but, like the idea of a seventeen-year-old. <clears throat> With a 34-year-old. Yes. I g- but here's the thing. I, I, would, I guess I would excuse it, but they, they cast people in their 20s as teenagers so often in movies that it's hard to justify casting a teenager as a teenager. Exactly. Hire someone in her 20s. If yeah. and, I, and I'm going to be frank here. A, I don't know if they're if the men are supposed to be in their 30s. The the obvious truth about Hollywood is that they hire men long after they hire women to play the romantic interest in movies. I've recently I say recently, it's been like the past two years, I've discovered that my perception of the aging process for women is highly skewed because a lot of like i because of the way hollywood casts roles a lot of the times i think women that are in their like 50s and early 60s are what women look like in their 30s and 40s and it wasn't until recently that i figured out that a lot of women like in their 40s still look like what you'd expect someone to look like in their like late 20s yeah it's like it's just because of the way hollywood casts women where you have to be young and attractive and if not you're an old person (laughs) yeah and that's the thing is like and people the there's a new movie coming out with zendaya and uh, denzel washington's kid john david washington he was just in tenet okay and they play a married couple okay she's 24 he's 36 again she's 24 okay she can make her decisions however the, the I just don't understand why we can't cast. And if that's the story, that's the story. I, you know, I'm not going to fight anyone on the story that they're trying to tell. It's just so often that you're casting a married couple with, so under the implication that they have known each other and been dating for a while who are so far apart in age that it just doesn't make any sense. So if at, the, if at its base level, they've only been together for two years. Let's say they dated for a year, got engaged, got married a year later. She was 22. He was 34. We're getting closer and closer to when it was like weird <laughs> for them to have been. And if they're already married and they've already been married, then take that two year minimum, I'm going to say, for people to, I, don't, I know people get married before they've been together for two years. I am perfectly aware of that. That's just, a, I think, a pretty base level of what people would consider pretty normal. I didn't get married until Brandon and I had been together for five years, but that's beside the point. <laughs> uh, if they've been married or if they dated longer than just that year, then they've been together for a little too long for me to be comfy-wumfy with their age gap. Hollywood and age gaps is weird. And the thing is, I understand it because as a 24-year-old woman, I like older men. I do, really. I, and I don't mind it in, like, some stories. 
but it feels like it's most of them (laughs) from like a writer and director standpoint where most of the time you're going to pick you're going to want to pick the person that's best for the role that can fit inside the role yes and so that may end up with those age discrepancies but so often it happens that it's a really young woman with an older man that it's not just a matter of all all these young women happen to be the perfect fit for this yeah. role and the older man happens to be the perfect fit for this role. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just take, uh, what was that Jennifer Lawrence movie that came out? Um, <sighs> Mother. the Where she was playing the wife to, oh God, was who was the other star of that movie? He's much older than her. Javier Bardem, okay? Jennifer Lawrence is, she is now 30. Mother came out three years ago. So she was 27. Javier Bardem is 51. So three years ago, he was 48. And they were playing a married couple. Hold on. Okay, so I never saw Mother. Um, but wasn't she supposed to be a lot younger than him? In the she movie? was supposed to be like young and beautiful. And like, because the whole movie was about, was an allegory for uh, environmentalism and the way that people use up Mother Earth and stuff like that. So she was supposed to be particularly beautiful. It's just okay. another example that I have, okay? Where we've got these characters who, these like actors who are like so vastly different in age. The problem is that it doesn't happen the other way around. No. Like, you don't have younger men with older women. To the point of, when I see younger men with older women, I think it's creepy. By instinct. Not because I actually think it's creepy. But, like, when I see it, I'm like, oh, weird. Like, because it's just, like, it's been so ingrained in me that that just doesn't happen. Hollywood needs to take a page from lesbian cinema. Yeah. Do you know how often lesbian movies have young women with older women? Yeah. It's actually insane. It's hard to find a story where it's not the case. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with a lot of gay films and stuff like that. If they're not set in high school, then a lot of times the age difference is really weird. Like, it was Timothy Chalamet made a movie in which he was, like, gay with Army Hammer, I believe. Uh, It was Call Me By Your Name, right? You're, you're not speaking my language. I'm not anymore. speaking your language. Oh, I'm sorry. It's gay men. It's not lesbians. Okay. So Call Me By Your Name came out three years ago again. So Timothy Chalamet was, he's 25. He looks like he's 13. He was, so he was 22 <laughs> at the time. And Army Hammer was the love interest. And he is 34. So he was 31 at the time. 22 and 31 straight cinema either do better with the age gaps or uh consistently cast younger men with older women too yes <laughs> i and the thing is like in real life i i don't question it as much because i mean people are always like saying that like leonardo dicaprio is really creepy for like only dating like younger women but like i would date leonardo dicaprio and I am quite younger than him. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, kind of, I'm just like, I mean, if I was older and was single and... If in theory you were, were single. 
and younger women were interested in me and not so young that I was like, this is creepy. I, I wouldn't be like, no, because you're young. Yeah. Like, as long as they're mature. Yeah. Then I don't really care. Again, the problem is the discrepancy is not that a relationship cannot happen between a younger woman and an older person. The problem is that that's just all that happens in movies. Yeah. That's what's being portrayed so often, but it doesn't happen the other way around. I don't care if it happens in real life. I mean, I do care if the guy is being creepy, but okay. I don't care if two consenting adults have an age gap and want to be together in real life because that's whatever. It's the fact that- I just hate that it's normalized so much in film to the point that people think it's completely okay for an older dude to essentially be a predator on younger women. Yes. Older women can't be with younger men. Exactly. We have an entire show called Cougar Town that was just about older women like preying on younger men and it was played up for laughs. But we don't have Cradle Robber Town with men because that would be terrifying. We got so far off topic. I know. And we're still, are we even, we just crossed the hour mark. Do I'm like, at this point, do we like cut, that was literally like, 20 to 30 minutes do we cut that out and just no. make it a bonus episode on oh we're just gonna leave that. no we're just gonna leave it i don't have much more to say about eclipse that's the problem yeah i mean fair okay guys uh so you actually got to enjoy us have an entire discussion on a lot of different aspects of cinema yeah some reason yes <laughs> It just happened. Oh, it evolved it naturally because we were talking about how good the action sequences were. Yeah. And then we were talking about other movies. You know, we, it all let comes me, from me, a place that goes to a let place. Me tie it all back because uh, we started with the old guard. Um, and you see, just like the amazing brutal fight scenes in the old guard, the fight scenes in Eclipse are amazing and fucking brutal. Yes. I forgot. I needed to make a comment about how fucking ugly Bella's engagement ring is. Oh my god, that thing is hideous. It is so... I don't know. How do you go into a multi-million dollar film and think, yes, this giant hunk of randomly sized diamonds is going to be this teenager's ring? It's literally like an oval. It's like an inch and a half long. So it like takes up the entire top knuckle yes. on her finger. And it's just an oval, a silver oval with random diamonds studded in it. I decided to look up some engagement rings from 1918 and um, they don't look like that. <laughs> um, in fact, they look almost exactly the way that our rings look now wouldn't you know with like a few little changes the closest i can find is like this that's still far better yes the thing it's literally just an oval with a bunch of little like they're probably just rhinestones probably not diamonds if you have that I, i know i have it i can't remember what it's called it's a certain type of phobia where when you look at something with lots of holes or pores yes trypophobia i i have that that's what this ring is. It's like that, but with diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> it is really hideous. I don't know where they got it from. And I hate it. And um, I was literally like, we were watching it. And he opened up the ring box and showed it to her. And I, we were both like, what is that? 
<laughs> Why is that the ring that they chose? Okay, now just imagine it's Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> so we were watching a scene in which Bella and Charlie were talking, and Emmy just goes, Imagine if it was Mark Wahlberg. No context. Nothing else about it. Just imagine if it was Mark Wahlberg. And so naturally, what you would think that she was insinuating is, imagine if Charlie was Mark Wahlberg. But in my head, it became, what if Bella was Mark Wahlberg? <laughs> I So, like, I, I want everybody to understand that, like, the random shit that she says... <laughs> That just, like, comes out in the middle of the show and is like, oh, my God, why did you say that? That doesn't make any sense. What are you talking about? That's all the time. That is all the time. Constantly with this woman. She just says things. You choose to have me in your life. I do. I had to make an active effort to have you in my life at one point. And I chose to continue. You chose this path. I did. Okay. Now, the movie wasn't all good, though, because there were definitely a few parts where it was really hard not to laugh. Can I can I say one more good thing before we get into the bad things? Is it going to be Charlie and Bella's conversation? <laughs> I see we had opposing opinions on that scene. <laughs> yes, go on. Go on. What were you saying? No, uh, no, no, no. That wasn't what I was going to talk about. Oh, okay. No, we had the same opinion on okay, that scene. Yes. I was just asking so if that was what you talk, were going to talk about. The sex talk that Charlie gives to Bella. Oh my God, that scene was so fucking funny. When he was just like, look, you got to have precautions and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, dad, don't. Edward's old school. And he was like, is that code for something? And she was just like, no, dad, God, shut up. And then so the part where she's like, hey, don't worry about it. I'm a virgin. Like the way that Kristen Stewart played it off was like, she was clearly just saying that to fuck with him. Just to be like, you're embarrassing me. So now I'm going to embarrass you. She was like, I'm a virgin. And just like ran up the stairs. She like leaned down, gave him a snarky look, put both of her thumbs up in the air on the virgin that was so fucking funny and he was like okay good like and he went back to what he was doing it was so fucking funny they didn't ruin charlie in the in the movie they didn't ruin alice alice was alice in the movie she was exactly what i would expect out of her character and like what they did to her in the book jacob's um switches between asshole and nice guy were a lot more reasonable Mm -hmm. in the movie because like when he showed up at the party he actually apologized oh his apology was actually good yeah he was like he actually was like i was i would blame it on uh you know the animal instinct emotions but it it's not that i was just being a dick yeah that was so good so like they they did a better job with that he still pulled that i I still didn't like the second kiss in the movie, but it felt a lot less like Jacob trying to manipulate her in the movie and a lot more like Jacob just not knowing how to deal with it and saying inappropriate things. Yes. He was channeling his emotions improperly. Yeah. I definitely appreciated that. And I still don't, approve of it but i definitely 
I definitely can understand that a lot better than him manipulating her. Yeah. Um, okay, but the bad thing. Yes, go ahead, please. Every time something was going to happen in the movie and they were building suspense, we got <laughs> a rehash of Cullen's staring at cafeteria walls. But this time, they're standing in the woods staring perfectly still staring at trees often different literally they're just like standing in like a triangle formation yes all of them looking off in different directions perfectly still in the middle of the forest and this happens multiple times and it lingers on them and it'll like cut to something else and then come back and linger on them again yes that was so hilarious when it was just like you, it, especially when the Volturi were coming and it just like, it kept switching back and forth between the Volturi approaching and the Collins just standing there. I was like, we don't need this many cuts. Oh my God. And the Volturi, like every time they came into a scene, it was slow motion walking. Yes. Um, that reminds me that the scene with Brie at the end was oh, fucking brutal in the movie. It was heartbreaking. Because she was played by, I think, a 14-year-old girl. And they showed her earlier in the movie, too. Yes. So you see her in the beginning. Um, and she very clearly is different from the other newborns. And she doesn't understand why everyone's so, like, angry and fighty. And she's just trying to hide. Yes. Um and then you see that through the fight scene. You see her, like, trying to uh, hide from the other vampires and avoid the fight. And w- actually, one of the moments that I appreciated a lot uh, from a director's standpoint was the scene where Esme and Carlisle found her. Yeah. Because there's no words spoken. It's just the emotion on the girl's face. And then the... Um, and it, flips over to Carlisle and Esme standing in front of her. And, like, you can see in their bodies they're ready to fight, but then you can see the, like, recognition of the situation in their face, and they look at each other, and there's just an unspoken agreement of what's going to happen. Yeah. They're taking her in, and they're going to take care of her. And it was such a... That that just little, like, two seconds of the film was really, really well shot and acted. (laughs) I, um... I was very sad. I was so sad when that happened. I was like, I can't believe I'm feeling this much for a character that was on screen for a total of like six minutes. They they managed to make her really sympathetic in that short time. I mean, she was young. It was, it was clear, like she was young. It was clear that she still had her human emotions yeah. intact. And she's being brutally murdered just to prove a point. Yes. And not only that, but... um, Fuck, what's her name? The... Jane. Jane was basically torturing her first two for no reason. Yeah. Because she started using her powers on her and Esme was like, you don't need to do that. She'll tell you what you want to know without doing that. And Jane's like, I know. Like, she's just doing it for fun. We, but we do get a good insight into the Volturi on the movie. Yeah. The movie because, um, first of all, they actually show them watching the newborns long before the yeah. attack happens. And discussing whether or not to just let the attack happen and take out the Cullens and then clean it up. Or whether they should stop the newborns first. And one of them is like, we need to go tell Arrow. And Jane uses her powers on that one. And she's like, no, 
we can't tell Arrow anything. He's being watched. We're making the decisions ourselves. And so it definitely... You get more insight into what they were thinking ahead yeah. of time. Because in the book, we just kind of had to extrapolate and make assumptions. Yeah. Uh, here we saw it clearly. And it definitely adds some tension to what's going into Breaking Dawn because what Jane was doing, you don't know anymore if that is something that the Volturi as a whole approve of and how Arrow's going to respond to the fact that she just let that happen, especially because, like we discussed uh, in the last episode, Carlisle's kind of like the gay son. Yes. They don't want him dead, but... Jane's decision was basically to let him get killed before cleaning up the problem, which also caused more uh, attention to be drawn to Seattle while they just left things to their, while they left these newborns to their own devices. Yeah. And so you, it kind of like, oh, is there going to be a rift within the Volturi now because of this? They re- they did a really good job setting up the Volturi in the future conflict in this movie. Yeah. And considering uh, Breaking Dawn is broken into two parts um and we haven't talked about this but i don't know should we because there's a very distinct part in the book where it breaks off and then goes into breaking dawn part two for the movie so maybe we'll watch the first movie when we get to that part and then we'll watch the second movie after we finish the book um we get two reviews we do (laughs) um but yeah i overall um i enjoyed eclipse the the movie i I enjoyed the second half of the book you know i thought it it picked up and it amended edward's entire character (laughs) the it it definitely the second half of eclipse the book um was definitely something i enjoyed reading more than anything else in the series yeah it's the it's the best part of the series so far uh, I feel like that's every time she writes a Twilight book, though. It's it's the first half is shit. Yeah. And the second half is better. But each book seems to be getting better than the last. So it's always like, it's like a roller coaster where it's like first half is climbing up this little hill. And then second half is a little steeper. And you get to the first half of the next book and it's going back down a little bit. <laughs> and yeah. it starts chugging uphill again for part two. Yeah. But, I mean, if I didn't have COVID, I would have enjoyed watching Eclipse. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't exhausted during Yeah, it. the directing was a lot better. And um... the writing, I didn't, I think the screenwriter for it was different. Yeah. And I noticed it with the screenwriter for uh, that movie was also a woman. Yeah. Course. <laughs> what? Of course. Just woman has to do it better. <laughs> oh my god. Gotta bring in the woman to do it better. But then everybody's still gonna be like, women. I remember she one time it. I was like I told my dad, I was like, women just don't get hired to direct movies. And my dad was like, tell that to the woman who directed the Hurt Locker. And I was like, what's her name? And he was like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> To be fair, most of the time, unless it's a very big director like Christopher Nolan, mm-hmm. I don't know the name of the directors for movies. The point I was trying to make was he was using that as a straw man example of like, yeah, women get hired to direct movies. Oh, yeah. And I was like, okay, what's her name? Or name one other one. I couldn't name a female director if you asked me to. The Wachowski sisters. <clears throat> oh, that's true. The, tr- <laughs> <laughs> the trans women. 
directing duo. The Wachowski sisters. Yeah. <laughs> Wachowski sisters. Uh, uh, Catherine Hardwick. Come on, man. And I mean, I mean the universal man, obviously. Oh my God. <laughs> Catherine Hardwick, who directed Twilight. Oh God. <laughs> no. What? Okay, but see, like, that's the thing is I don't really, like, they don't stick in my mind. Olivia Wilde. I know the name. Oh. I recognize. You would okay, recognize her face if you saw her. You can you can list out male directors too, and I would recognize the names probably, but there's only a few names that like I could pick out, like Steven Spielberg, where I can be like I know what he's directed, um, and Christopher Nolan, and uh, wow, I know there's another one, um, Kill Bill. Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino. I was like, foot guy. What's a foot guy? Foot guy. Quentin Tarantino. Um, And then... I was going to say Bob Rauschenberg. I'm like, that's not (laughs) who I'm thinking of. Um, The guy who does all the... Wes Anderson. I was like, really weird movie. Um, But I think it's because for them... It's very, like, all of those directors, it's very, you don't necessarily, people don't watch the movies just because they think the movie looks good. They watch the movies because those directors directed the movies. You could know nothing about the movie going in and be like, yeah, Quentin Tarantino directed it. If there's Nazi slicing or punching in it, I'm going to watch it, okay? <laughs> they all have a very specific style mm-hmm. and character to their movies. Yeah. Um, but there's no, yeah, I don't know any women directors that I could name like that. And I don't think that that's because they there couldn't be. It's because they don't get the jobs. But if yeah, you could easily have women that are that stylistic in their directing that they become a brand among like yeah to themselves of movie. <laughs> Just wait until I'm a famous movie director, and then you'll be able to say that you know a female director. Just wait until I'm a famous movie director, Sarah. Okay, fine. Just wait until we're both famous authors. (laughs) And then we'll become famous movie directors together. Okay, well, follow us on Twitter at 2020TwilightPod. Uh, M is at M of many names. I am at Sarah S. Wilton. Uh, hit us with a little tip over on coffee. That's ko-fi.com slash 2020TwilightPod. Um, next time, we're coming back at you. Breaking Dawn. With Breaking Dawn. We're going to break her so hard. Please don't. Please don't. She's got a family. <laughs> She's got a family. (laughs) That woman had a family. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye.